Welcome to the latest Buff Zone podcast. I'm Brian Howell, and as always, joined by my colleague Pat Rooney. And Pat, how are you? Doing well, Mr. Howell. How are you? I'm good, and um, I can't believe we're uh, into the final few weeks of football. We've been kind of saying it throughout the year, like, can't believe we're in week two, week four. Well, now we're at game 10, and the Buffs sitting here at four and five, and they take on the uh, newly resurgent Arizona Wildcats, ranked number 23, um, uh, at Folsom Field on Saturday at noon, finally a normal kickoff, but um, they get a ranked team uh, that's uh, that's coming in hot. So it's going to be an interesting game on Saturday. Definitely, I'm looking forward to checking out Arizona. Obviously, a uh, a very nice story, the way they've been able to turn it around down there, mm-hmm. and maybe offering a little bit of a template for uh, the Buffs. You know, the, the Buffs are further ahead than. Uh, than you know, maybe Arizona was a, a, a couple of years ago. They had one win season, just were really struggling, and and you know, kind of hit rock bottom. But uh, you know, the proverbial learn how to win, and, and they've done it, and they've really turned the corner this year. And and uh, kudos to them. It's been a, a heck of a turnaround to watch. Yeah, and you know, to your point, just to catch people up. I mean, Arizona when Jed Fish uh, took over a couple of years ago, they had lost. Uh, I think it was twelve straight games. They were zero and five in 2020 they had lost their last seven in 2019 so he takes over and then they lose their first eight so they're they're losing streak stretched all the way to 20 before he finally got his first win and it was even uh i don't know if you remember this one pat but that was the 21 season when they played cal and cal was decimated by covid and arizona still barely won and they they go one and 11 that year so uh and then last year five and seven they had some close losses kind of what colorado's doing this year and then this year they're three and three at one point and three close losses where they go down to Mississippi state losing overtime. They play number seven, Washington lose by a touchdown. And then they play at USC and lose in, in triple overtime. So still unable to get over that hump. And then all of a sudden three games ago, it's like they go up to Pullman and beat number 19, Washington state by, by 38 on their home, on their home field. Then they beat an Oregon state. Who's number 11 at the time. And then last week, uh, UCLA, First time in their history they've beaten uh, ranked opponents in three straight games. So they figured it out, and Colorado's just not there yet. Uh, no, they're not. And we saw another missed opportunity against Oregon State this past weekend. And, you know, the Buffs were right there despite all the struggles that we've talked about. It. I mean, you know, really, I felt like even with the play calling, you know, there's, uh, you know, things I'm, I'm sure we can nitpick on, but, you know, there's a lot of the same shortcomings that we've seen. Uh, really since that three and0 start and you know even even getting hints at some of the issues then the lack of running game and so forth you know I have been impressed and in, in, uh, with the defense and they deserve credit um, for kind of getting turned around the last few weeks they've, they've gone toe to toe with some physical offenses against UCLA and Arizona kept the buffs in the game um, but for one of the few times this season especially against Oregon State we saw an offense that wasn't quite up to a challenge of, of putting enough points on the board you know again you say that they shouldn't have to score 40 um but it wouldn't have taken that much to to pull out this game against oregon state yeah just you know one more touchdown and they tie it so um i it, it's it's hard for cu fans because of that three and oh start and because of all the hype with coach prime um but and this has been coach prime's message this week and i do agree with it um he keeps saying hey look at where we were last year and look where we are right now. I mean, we're, we're in much better spot right now. And uh, I actually was listening to uh, 
his radio show um, before we started. And, you know, he was saying uh, to the fans, he goes, look, a year ago at this time, you're leaving those games really because you know there's no shot they're going to win. Now you're disappointed that we didn't win it. He goes, I'm happy with that. <laughs> We're making progress. Yeah. And um, I agree with his point there. I mean, this is a team that really, I don't know, I've heard him say it many, many times, but they've only been blown out once. I mean, the Oregon game was the only one that they didn't have a shot in. And really, to me, out of their five losses, the only inexcusable loss was Stanford. You know, they never should have lost that game. But uh, the other ones, you lose to ranked teams. And that's understandable for a team that's trying to learn how to win. Yeah, absolutely. I've always maintained that this program was a year away. Uh, you know, I kind of wrote my my preseason prediction column on, on that very point. Now, the record, I had four and eight. And after a three and zero start, I did think they would be better than that. Obviously, uh, you know, blowing the, the, the Stanford game put put a wrench in that. Uh, but I didn't think they were going to, you know, kind of run the gauntlet in Pac-12 schedule here. And, you know, I still think this is a program that's a year away. It's hard not to take note of all the talent that Deion Sanders has brought into the roster. It's been a remarkable turnaround. But to maybe compete at the level of some of these opponents so far, and like I said, the Arizona rebuilds a couple years ahead in terms of the, the coaching staff and the, getting the personnel in place and so forth. And, you know, you can argue that uh, the trajectory says the bus will have more raw talent on their roster uh, when it's all said and done. And, and Deion Sanders and his staff really get their imprint on this program. So, uh, so, yeah, certainly nothing to be ashamed of. The trajectory of this program, I think, remains the same uh, no matter how these last few games turn out. But certainly kind of a disappointing to kind of be sputtering toward the finish line after such a fast start to the season. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing for me is that they are kind of sputtering right now, and uh, the offense did not look good obviously last last week. But um, you know, one one note, I mean, in FBS history, this is a note from from CU, but there's only been 13 teams that have had a winning record the year after they lost 11 games or more, and only a couple of those were by first year head coaches, and none of those were a first year Power Five head coach. So uh, you know it's an uphill climb when you go one and 11 the year before. And um, especially for a first year coach, I, I think the buffs are on the right track last week looked ugly. Uh, last two weeks have looked ugly offensively. And uh, I think, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, Pat, but you know, there's clear, it's clear. There's some issues going on with the coaching staff that they haven't gotten on the same page offensively. Right. When, when you're switching play callers eight games into year one, that tells you there's an issue you know, somewhere on the coaching staff, they're not on the same page. And, you know, Deion Sanders has mentioned, look, there's some things going on behind the scenes you guys don't know about. And so that tells me that, you know, probably he and Sean Lewis or Shadur and, and Sean Lewis are not on the same page somehow. And uh, they wanted to make a switch there. And when, when that's happening, the offense isn't going to look great. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you've hit it on the head. It was kind of, uh, not hard to read between the lines on that one when uh, Coach Sanders said there was a lot of things going on in the background. Because you don't make this move, uh, unless there's that kind of stuff, you know, guy's not on the same page. Uh, this guy wants to go this direction. This one wants to go th that direction. And, you know, this is the kind of move you make when you're really struggling and you're just not getting anything done offensively. You know, for all this team's struggles, they are putting up record-setting numbers, you know, in terms of program history, 
in the passing game. You know, they've been averaging more than 30 points a game for most of the season. Uh, this has not been, you know, there's not been a balanced offense, but it has been no mean, by no means has it been an inept offense or, or one that hasn't been able to, to keep the bus in games, you know, quite the contrary. It's been the only reason the bus have been in a lot of games and, and, you know, a big reason they've been able to stay in others, uh, you know, like coming back against USC. So, um, you know, very curious. Clearly there's stuff going on in the background. And, you know, after a, a sequence like this, it, it, it's hard to see Sean Lewis having a, a future in Boulder beyond the next few games. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's the run game that has just been head scratching all season. You mentioned the passing game. I mean, Shador is on the, is, knocking on the door of you know breaking all the passing records and uh you know receiving wise they're doing things i mean xavier weaver's having the be- one of the best individual seasons in cu history um they're on track to for the first time in their history have you know potentially three guys uh, with 50 catches in the same season so but that run game um has been atrocious i mean last week uh negative seven yards they finished with uh, the week before that it's 24 carries for 25 yards and, you know, th- that's kind of the norm, right? I mean, there's two times they've had, you know, more than 70 yards rushing in a game. That's not very good. And uh, I think the fact that they haven't figured that out, it has been an issue. And maybe it's Sean Lewis hasn't figured that out. But, you know, there's something where they're butting heads somehow and it's not working out. But I agree with you, Sean Lewis, this is probably, we're probably into his last few weeks, uh, you know, with Colorado, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, you bring up a point. I wanted to get your opinion on this, uh, you know, regarding the run game. At the end of Coach Sanders' press conference the other day, the weekly Tuesday press conference, he kind of started laughing about the notion that they don't want to run the ball, Uh, you know, kind of saying, you know, all of us think that they don't want to run the ball or they're not trying to run the ball. And he, he kind of made light of it and was kind of joking about it. And, I don't know. I thought it was curious because, you know, it, it doesn't take much to show that they haven't tried to run the ball. You know, we both broke down the, the, the play calling sequences against UCLA and there was, you know, very little effort to establish a run game in that one. Um, you know, a lot of the handoffs in that one that they did take were kind of run out the clock situations. And then when they did have a chance to run out the clock by handing off the ball this past week, they didn't do it, and it cost them dearly. So um, it's it, it's really kind of hard to see what the the strategy is, or the the game plan, or even how the approach will be to try to get the run game going. Because you know we've said it all year in these podcasts, they don't need to be the top rushing attack in the pack 12, but as long as it's a threat and it's a viable run game and it's something defenses have to account for, that would make a world of difference for this offense. And especially with all the pressure that Shadur Sanders is under. Yeah, no question. And uh, I, I would push back on him in that and, and say, yeah, I, it does sort of look like they don't want to run the football. And yeah, um, when I, I thought it was curious, he really seemed to be making light of it. And I, I don't know. I just found it very, it was kind of out of character from a guy we've seen from a lot of this season. I felt like, yeah, you know, and you you can understand a game like uh, like Oregon that you know they lose forty two to six, the only one they've really been blown out in, and you can understand that one where 
you you stop running the ball or even the USC when they're when they're down 34 to 7 uh and maybe they abandon the run and try to get back in the game you can understand those things but the last two weeks have been you know winnable games i mean they were down 14 to 9 going into the fourth quarter against UCLA um it was a close game throughout uh you know i guess in third quarter um, Oregon State pulled away a little bit but um 11 handoffs to running backs each of the last two games that's not wanting to run the football that's yeah. kind of like doing it every once in a while just be just to do it and to your point as, as we pointed out last week four of those 11 were uh, against usc or against uh, ucla were simply running out the clock and yeah you know i haven't looked or the every... situation one one was a right. third and 18 back up on your 10 or 12 so it wasn't a clock but it was still like get okay, off the field back yeah. yeah exactly yeah and you know this last week i'd have to go through and look at them all again but there wasn't a whole lot i mean that opening drive they had um, that stalled. It was a, it was a decent opening drive. They get to the Oregon State forty four, but um, it's one run play, you know. And Dylan Edwards goes for one yard, and you know now all of a sudden you know you're backed up again. Uh, so it it wasn't a good run play, but it was only one run play. And then uh, you know they kind of go back to the pass, and there's only eleven handoffs again. And you know I look at one of their better drives, you know, late in the game, and what do they do? They start handing out to Savion Wilkerson and he gets a few yards, you know, and, you know, I wish they would do that more because I do think they have some backs like Savion Wilkerson that are big, strong running backs that could get you some yards. Actually, it was the first play of the third quarter. Uh, Wilkerson gets eight yards, um, you know, get you moves the sticks a little bit. Um, I think I would love to see Wilkerson Hankerson. as kind of a one, two punch and, and Edwards is kind of that change of pace back because they keep trying to, Seems to me they keep trying to force feed Dylan Edwards into this lead back role, and he's just not that. Yeah, I just don't think he's. I, I say it's almost every time they they give him the ball in this kind of situation up in the box. I don't like him between the tackles just yet. Maybe that'll change later in his career. Um, and I, you know, I know I made a big deal about how many times he was targeted in the past game, but I very much like him split out and using him as a weapon that way putting him in the slot you can still get him hand handoffs on you know kind of more you know jet sweep type actions and stuff like that i love the idea of using him in a number of ways but i don't like him so much as you're between the tackles running back uh especially to your point when you have guys like hankerson and wilkerson who are much more seemingly capable of that job yeah and it's it he's had a, a, a weird year, you know, and he's clearly a talented young man. You know, um, he's one of the fastest guys. He's not the fastest guy on the team and had an unbelievable opening game to, to the point that, you know, Dion's mentioning him as a Heisman candidate after week one, he's been anything but that since then. And uh, I don't know if it's all his fault. <laughs> yeah. Probably not all, a lot of it is his fault, but he's been an, almost a non-factor. We're talking about Dylan Edwards uh, for yeah. eight games straight. And, you know, he's, He's got 29 catches, 251 yards. That's not bad. He's still their leading rusher at 268 yards, uh, but he shouldn't be their leading rusher, <laughs> you know. And you know, it should be guys like Hankerson and Wilkerson. And um, 268 yards as your leading rusher, nine games into the season, is not good. And yeah, uh, and you're you're targeting him that many times as you did. It was nine targets that netted four receptions for, for 22 yards. So yeah. that's, it's basically you're wasting nine plays to, to get 22 yards. And, 
you know, I don't know how comfortable he looks trying to catch those quick slants, uh, you know, right off the line of scrimmage. You know, I know you get him in space. He's, he's going to do a fine job. We've seen that. But with all the receivers they have on that team, to put Dylan Edwards in that situation early against Oregon State, uh, again, it was another one I just found very curious. Yeah, and, and he actually throw in the, the throws to Hankerson. And, you know, it was – Hankerson was targeted three times, caught all three, but it was for three yards. And so there's yeah. 12 plays that you targeted your running backs and you wound up with 25 yards on those 12 plays. Yeah. And one of them was a touchdown. Uh, and one of them was, you know, Hankerson, you know, caught the ball and slipped and he had some open space. So you have to take those things into account, but you know, still the throws to the running backs are not kind of what we're, <laughs> what you and I are try- trying to look for here. We, we want to see those, those hard runs and like run up the middle. And we talked about it again last week, but, you know, to help your offensive line, let those guys run block and, you know, push the pile a little bit with those running backs. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about before. It helps get them in the flow a little bit, maybe regain a little confidence if they can move the ball in the run game, um, because obviously they're under fire and having a hard time protect, protecting Shadur Sanders. And, you know, at this point, you got to wonder if that's going to change. Uh, so, <laughs> You know, I don't know what the answer is because they really seem reticent to even trying to establish a run game. Um, but, you know, maybe another another week of practice with the kind of new play-calling dynamic leads to something different on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do there. And, you know, Arizona's defense, uh, that's one thing I've been most impressed with with this Arizona team is that they're finally playing defense. I mean, that that's just one team that over the years – you just knew that you were going to score on them because they've never played good defense. But now all of a sudden this year, they're playing good defense. And you know who one of their best defenders is, is Taylor Upshaw, who uh, was a buff, uh, got here in December from Michigan, well, from January from Michigan, didn't like it here and left at the, at the end of the spring. And whether it was them not liking him or him not liking them, he left at the end of the spring, went to Arizona. He's now their leader and one of the top uh, – sack guys in the, in the pack 12. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see a, uh, you know, a guy that was a buff last year and obviously Montana Lamonius Craig on offense is a, uh, is a former buff. So um, it's gonna be interesting to see a couple of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And looking forward to watching this team, Arizona. I mean, it's been a great story and uh, you know, they've, they've, they've been really impressive. You know, I've caught a couple of their end of games uh, late at night, a couple of times, not the late night games we were at, obviously, but maybe the 10 AM games that we've been at, uh, catching them later. And uh, it's been a fun team to watch. Definitely looking forward to this Saturday. And I guess that brings it down to it. Mr. Howell, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah. You know, kind of like last week. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that point towards Colorado, not winning this game. And I think, Sometimes people get caught up in, oh, they're struggling and they're not going to win another game. Um, I still think there's there's a ton of talent on this on this team in the right spots, and, and the main spot being quarterback. And you still have Travis Hunter. Um, I still think that there's the ability to go out there and play good football. Um, and with Arizona, they're playing lights out. But I'm sensing I'm going to predict sort of a, a, a come a come down uh, for Arizona this week. They've had five straight games against ranked opponents. And, uh, you know, they've won the last three of those, but it's been an emotional five weeks. Next week, they got to go to Utah. And then the week after that, they have their big rival, Arizona State. So they've got a couple emotional games coming up after this one. I'm going to go with a, sort of a letdown week for Arizona and see you get this act together a little bit. I'm going to go Buffs 38 to 30 in this one. 
Uh, calling another victory for the old buffs. Hey, Mr. Hall. Hey, hey uh, you know what? Real quick. I, yeah. I picked that they would finish six and six. I'm going to ride with that until it's no longer possible, Pat. And right. in order to All get right. there, they got to get win number five. And uh, they're running out of options to get win number five. So um, I'm, I'm going with this being win number five. All right. Well, I, I, I have nothing but respect for the outlook, but uh, I'm going to humbly disagree. Um, I picked, by the way, I did pick four and eight in regular season or uh, in the season preview rather, but uh, not why I'm making my prediction now. I just don't like the way the buffs are playing right now. Uh, and you have to like um, uh, the way Arizona's playing. Now, I, I do think, you know, I've said it the last couple of weeks, I do think the buffs have one in them. They'll, they'll get one. Maybe they shouldn't. Um, but I'm thinking that might be uh, the dreaded, usually dreaded Pullman trip next week. I just don't I, I think Arizona's rolling right now. I think they have a lot to play for. Shadur is beat up a little bit. I, you know, I, I know he'll be out there. I, I know he'll, he'll, he'll play hard and uh, kind of leave it all out on the field. No doubt about any of that. Wondering how effective he'll be. And, you know, quite frankly, this is an offense that's kind of in disarray right now. And until we see, uh, if that that turn around and, and, and see, you know, evidence to the contrary, uh, it's hard for me to have faith that it's going to really get rolling and, and and get the job done on Saturday. So I do think it'll be close. Uh, you know, the buffs, as we talked about, they're not getting blown out in any of these games. But I think it's Arizona that finds a way at the end, 31 to 27. Well, certainly the results of the past uh, several weeks uh, would back you up, and um, <laughs> that could definitely happen. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see. This is a big one for the Buffs. If they are going to go to a bowl game, uh, this is a big one. And, you know, really, bowl game or not, I think this is a big one for them to, you know, close out the home season on a, on a positive note. I mean, they've lost three in a row at home, which, uh, you know, I remember early in the season taught you know, seeing some of these videos where like nobody comes into our house and beats us. Well, now they've lost three in a row at home. And uh, it's been, uh, I think since 2015 was the last time they lost four in a row at home. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think it's important for them to at least close out the home season, you know, on a high note. And so we'll see if they can do that this week. You know, you opened this kind of saying, can't believe how late in the season it is. I can't believe it's the last home game. Uh, I know. Love, it's hard to, uh, you know, quibble about those uh, Saturday, I was going to say Saturday afternoons, but it's mostly been Saturday mornings or Saturday nights at Folsom Field this year. But looking forward to one more afternoon at Folsom Field. Always great to cover a game there. And uh, uh, we didn't talk much hoops, folks. We are going to do a hoops podcast. We, we've talked about it. We're going to do it next week. There's going to be a, a good lull between games. But uh, real quickly, Brian, I want to touch on this before we get out. Obviously, it's a good start for the men on monday but you were in las vegas what a start for the women's team uh taking down number one defending champ lsu and and taking them down quite handily yeah i mean it was an extremely impressive win for anybody that watched it that uh, and being there in person was i think probably even more impressive but you know what as soon as they scheduled this game you know i I talked to jr Payne and and uh you know coach towns uh, her husband you know quite a bit and um every time i would talk to them uh, I think they knew that I didn't believe that they would win the game <laughs> because I would yeah. often uh, say to them, like, like, man, like if you could just, if you guys stay within 15 of them, that's a huge, you know, upside for you guys. That's going to make some noise nationally that you, if you guys can stay within 15 and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they win by 14, you know? And, you know, I told Jr. after the game, I, I said, you know, I apologize for not believing in you. And she kind of laughed. She goes, that's okay. And I, and, and then I said, of all the scenarios for this game, 
the one I never considered was you blowing them out. She goes, I know, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so I, I think even they were a little bit surprised that uh, yeah. they handled them so well, but it was just impressive with how they wore LSU down. And it was, you know, it was a close game for a while. Then all of a sudden you could just see the frustration building in LSU uh, to the point that I think it started to snowball towards the end. I don't think they're 15, 20 points better than LSU, but I think that uh, everything hit well that night and it frustrated LSU enough. And that's what's impressive about this team is that they've got the ability and that defense to frustrate teams. So they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And obviously something to be said that this group has been together, the Buffaloes, I mean, uh, to take nothing away from LSU, incredibly talented bunch. Angel Reese, obviously one of the top players in the country, um, but they fit a lot of pieces around her this year. Now, granted, very talented pieces. I think this that team will be right there in the end as well. But, you know, it, it, it takes a little time. It takes a few games to, to get out there and get a feel for one another, you know, basketball at its best is, you know, five players kind of working in unison and you don't always get that on, on opening night when it's a new cast of characters. So, and the buffs have that, you know, in, in droves, uh, this group has been together. They've played together for several years now. And I think that's going to be a huge asset for them as they kind of barrel forward in, into what's what, what should be a very exciting season for them. Yeah, and, and really, real quick, shout out to the CU fans because uh, last night's crowd for the, they had their home opener against Lemoyne and only eighteen hundred people, so it's not gonna, you know, it doesn't rival kind of what the men get, but um, that was a really nice crowd and actually was the best non-conference home crowd for CU women in seven years. And you know, I was looking at last year, a lot of their non-conference games were getting in the hundreds, you know, like under a thousand, and so for for eighteen hundred people to show up on. Really not a, a nice night weather-wise, and for a college you've probably never heard of in Lemoyne, that was pretty impressive. And uh, they got Oklahoma State on Sunday at home uh, to wrap up the the first week and get that one. And it's going to be really interesting on Monday to see where the Buffs are in the rankings. Absolutely, it's going to be a fun team to watch. And before we cut out of here, the men um, get rolling again on Friday night at home against Grambling State. Um, and probably before we, we podcast again, they've got another one on Tuesday uh, against Milwaukee before they, you know, the novel time before the following week, they hit the road for the first time. So uh, and then the other one, big one is Friday night. The women's soccer team played their way in the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to coach Danny Sanchez and his team. They needed to win every game of the last three down the stretch to have a shot at getting in. They did it. And on Friday night, they'll play at Texas A&M. You know, CU's been a good road team this year. They'll need it again. They play at Texas A&M on, uh, on Friday night. Same time as the men's basketball game, unfortunately. But, uh, uh, you know, should be another, you know, big night for the Buffs. And we'll see if that team can advance. They've been a little up and down themselves. Uh, but when they're on, they can they can play with anyone in the country. Yeah, well, it'll be fun to see what they do. And uh, Pat, we'll see what happens with basketball and then another big football game on Saturday. And you and I will be back next week to kind of talk about that one and look ahead to next week. Well, I will see you on Saturday, Brian. And uh, as always, folks, thanks for listening.